Sewer Ninjas is dedicated to solving your home sewer issues with the latest no-dig sewer repair technology to minimize cost and disruption. They can repair your sewer lateral line with minimal intrusion, saving you thousands. When you need help, turn to the drain and sewer experts for Milwaukee and the surrounding communities. Give Sewer Ninjas a call, 414-250-8605. Once again, that's 414-250-8605. Find out more at SewerNinjas.com. On this episode of the 414 Sports Podcast presented by Sewer Ninjas, We've reached episode 100. I don't know what that means. I just thought I'd throw it out there. We'll preview this upcoming Lions-Packer game on Sunday night. The Bucks, Giannis is being Giannis. We'll talk about that. We've got some Packer news, a bunch of other things happening in the world of sports. But we'll kick things off as we put this episode together with some real positive news regarding DeMar Hamlin coming out of Cincinnati. We'll get to it all next. Again, it's the 414 Sports Podcast, presented by Sewer Ninjas. Let's go. But instead, it's the 414 Sports Podcast, and it starts right now. said to the 100th episode of the 414 Sports Podcast presented by Sewer Ninjas. I'm Don Wachillas. Thank you so much as always for logging in and joining us, whether you've done so on Spotify, Google, Apple, or any of the other five platforms that we currently reside on. There's just a bunch to get to, but we will start with Damar Hamlin, obviously the scary episode uh, during Monday Night Football this past week in which DeMar went into cardiac arrest and was rushed to uh, the hospital there in Cincinnati. As of the time we're putting this podcast together, it's been stated in various outlets, and one of those uh, sources being the Buffalo Bills themselves, saying that DeMar has made significant positive progress as he continues to work his way back after that cardiac arrest incident. There's still no timeline for his recovery, but the fact that things are moving in a positive direction, I think, is helping to answer many of the prayers that I know that have been thrown out there his way in hopes that he will make a full recovery. NBC this morning was reporting that there are also positive neurological signs with some of the preliminary testing that's being done in Cincinnati in the ICU. So at least as of right now, DeMar Hamlin heading in the right direction. There's still going to be a long road to what we hope will be a full recovery, but at least the news coming out of Cincinnati is positive, and I think that's what many of us and many of you who sent a prayer his way uh, could only hope for. And then to look at his GoFundMe page, the last time I looked was 
you know, at four and a half million, here's a GoFundMe page that was hoping to raise $2,500 for what I believe was some toys for a daycare center in Buffalo and now sitting at four and a half million. I think somebody might be getting a new daycare center when everything is all said and done. So the outpouring towards DeMar Hamlin continues, and we continue to hope and pray that, uh, as I noted, he'll make a full recovery. Now, the game between Buffalo and Cincinnati will not be replayed this week. The NFL has got some work to do. Buffalo, Cincinnati, if we're just talking about things strictly from a football standpoint, you know, Buffalo and Cincinnati are still in the mix in the AFC for a potential number one seed. So what happens after this week? Will they need to still play that game? You know, there are some people out there that are like, you know, there's just a bad aura around what took place that we don't need to play it, which I completely understand and agree with. But I also know as far as those teams vying to get that number one seed and have that home field advantage throughout we saw what happened when Buffalo had to go to Kansas City. What happens if Kansas City would have to go to Buffalo if Buffalo got the number one seed? Strictly from a football perspective. But first and foremost, we got to make sure DeMar Hamlin continues moving in that right direction. So coming up this weekend, we've got games Saturday and Sunday throughout the NFL. A ton of different playoff ramifications. I don't want to go through them here. it's too lengthy. It's too, well, if this happens, then this could happen. If this doesn't happen, then this won't happen. The scenarios are really deep heading into week 18. Now for the NFL, they've got to be loving this because they continue to be in the forefront as far as sporting news goes with all of these different scenarios, with the fact that you have a bunch of teams that still have playoff hopes alive going into the last week of the season. And one of those is our own Green Bay Packers. So Detroit at Green Bay. Remember, the game got flexed to 7.30, 7.15, whatever the, whatever the time period is, Sunday evening. It'll be shown part of, obviously, the Sunday night football broadcast on NBC. The Packers go into this Lions game as four-and-a-half-point favorites. Four-and-a-half-point favorites on DraftKings when the game was announced that it would be flexed to that Sunday night game. That would mean, according to DraftKings, that the probability of a Packers win six at, sits excuse me, at right around 68%. So a lot of energy going towards Green Bay, energy meaning money, um, on the Packers, as I said, opening at four and a half. Now, that'll fluctuate, I have a feeling, as the week progresses, as we get closer to game time. But the way the Packers are playing, the fact that Matt LaFleur is 18-1 and one in the months of December and January, the ironic thing, his only loss comes against Detroit, and that was last year. And if you remember last year, going into the last week of the season, Green Bay decided to rest everybody heading into the playoffs, lost, and then that became a topic of discussion as well as to whether or not you should be resting players or how much playing time should they get to keep keep the aura going, the juju going, whatever you want to call it as the playoffs begin. But that's the only loss Matt LaFleur has had in the months of December and January. So all eyes, again, will be on Green Bay. Got a couple of things taking place 
that I'm not sure I would have guessed would have been something that was in the spotlight even after the way things began last week. But let's start with special teams. Keyshawn Nixon has been everything the Packers have needed as far as special teams has been concerned. Last week, the kickoff return, 95-plus. There's some debate statistically whether he was in the end zone, out of the end zone, whatever. Anyway, it was a kickoff return, and that's something we haven't seen in Green Bay probably since Desmond Howard back in the 90s when the Packers made the Super Bowl run back after those decades of not being able to get into the playoffs and Reggie White and Brett Favre and everybody else getting the team back up into championship caliber form. So Nixon has been a pleasant surprise as far as special teams have gone. And again, this comes after that block punt that we talked about earlier in the week where I thought that was going to be the nail in the coffin immediately, but the defense stepped up, held the Vikings to three, and then it was all Green Bay after that. So special teams played well. The defense played well. Again, the defense that had all of the hype going into this season that has, in some instances, woefully underperformed look like the defense against Minnesota that we all thought they could be. And so let's hope that what we got last week against Minnesota, we get again against the Detroit Lions. Now, they're going to face Jared Goff. And Jared Goff is what? I mean, he's a good quarter. Anybody who makes it to the NFL and starts is a good quarterback. But does Jared Goff put the fear of our Heavenly Father in you? Probably not. And yet, Jared Goff has not thrown an interception since the last time the Packers and the Lions met in Detroit. Since that, since his last interception in Week 9, he's thrown 278 passes, 186 of those four completions, around a 67% clip. He's averaging right around eight yards per attempt, and he's had 15 touchdowns. So he's gotten much more accurate since the game against the Packers. Now, remember that game against the Packers in Detroit? I think the final was something like 15 to 9. It was that game where Aaron Rodgers threw three interceptions in the red zone. It was a game the Packers could have won but didn't because of those interceptions in the end zone. So you have to think that. If all things play out the same way they did in Detroit and you eliminate the red zone interceptions by Aaron Rodgers, the Packers have a great chance of winning. Now, with all of that said, the scenarios are in play. The Packers may know whether they're in or not before kickoff. The Lions, by many of the scenarios I've read, need to win regardless. There's still a path for the Packers to get in should a couple of teams lose during the day. All of that, again, said, I'm going to let you read that. If you want to look at all those different scenarios and play the probability game, you go right ahead because they're too lengthy to sit here and try to make our way through. The other thing to keep an eye on is Mason Crosby. Now, Mason Crosby hit a 56-yarder against Minnesota. If you'll remember, it hit the crossbar and bounced over right before the half came to an end. Mason has not struggled with his accuracy this year, but Mason's starting to get up in years. 
age always wins. You can push age to the door, but eventually age will knock the door down and come calling. We might be seeing that now with Tom Brady. Tom Brady, who has been exceptional throughout his career, has looked okay this year. Not Tom Brady great, but okay. And yet Tom Brady now, though, is 45 years old. Age always wins at some point. And so keep that in mind when we're talking about Mason Crosby. Remember last week they brought up Ramez Ahmed off the practice squad, and I think the intent was going to use or to be to use Ahmed as far as kickoffs go. Kickoffs for the Packers have been not necessarily a strength as far as special teams go. 23% of the Packer kickoffs have ended in touchbacks this year. That's the worst in the NFL. So they brought Ahmed up in hopes of using him, maybe in a situation like we saw Mason Crosby hit that 56-yarder, but at least for kickoffs. Unfortunately for Ahmed, he got injured in pregame warm-ups, pulled a groin, had a sit-down, never made it in there. And Mason Crosby did what Mason Crosby does, which is, at least this season, been again incredibly consistent so the Packers let's hopefully they run the ball like they did against Minnesota when that run game is on and you're controlling clock and you're keeping the opposing team's defense on the field and wearing them down it then opens up the pass game this is kind of a reverse it's what we've been looking for all season it used to be the pass game opens up the run game now the run game that's where the the most veteran talent is is in that backfield. Hopefully the run game is what it needs to be and what it was against Minnesota. Hopefully it opens up then some of those passing lanes and we see this Packer team go into a playoff scenario on a high note. We'll worry about who they got to play when all is said and done after Sunday. But let's get the win on Sunday and let's see this team get into the playoffs. And if they're in the playoffs on a bit of a roll, and we've talked about this before, whether we're talking the NFL, the NBA, MLB, you name it, the team at the end of the year that's on a roll, regardless of record, gives themselves a really good opportunity of playing for a championship. I don't know offensively if there's enough talent at the receiving spots yet, even though that talent has developed throughout this year, if it's there to give yourself a championship run. But anything can happen once the playoffs begin. So again, Packers, Lions, 7-15, Sunday night, Sunday night football on NBC. Packers right now sitting at a four-and-a-half point favorite. We're going to take a break. On the other side of the break, let's talk some NBA, specifically the Milwaukee Bucks. And Giannis simply being Giannis. We'll get to it in just a second. Bucks, who have now won two in a row. It's been a bit of a struggle 
as of late. We talked about that on the last podcast episode, not having everyone together. And it's okay. We don't want to obviously lose games, but the important part is to be in that upper half within the playoff bracket once we get to the end of the season and to make sure everybody is healthy and strong moving into the playoffs. But with that said, we've seen Giannis be Giannis. And I'll say it again, and I'll probably say it a million more times as we do these podcasts, is that I hope we're not taking Giannis Antetokounmpo for granted. Because, yes, he's been with us since his inception as an NBA player, and every year he just continues to improve and do things on the floor that are miraculous. The other night against Washington, he dropped 55, a career high for Giannis. And that 55 helped the Bucks get the win at home. And then last night, again, we're taping this on Thursday, as they were in Toronto, they come away with a 104-101 overtime win against the Toronto Raptors. Giannis, again being Giannis, triple-double, his 31st career triple-double with 30 points, 21 rebounds, and 10 assists. Now, what's crazy about the NBA is the fact that we're looking at a team that was cruising with about three and a half minutes left. Just shy, I shouldn't say three and a half, just shy of four minutes left. 3.50, I think, was on the clock. And, (laughs) excuse me, the Bucs looked destined to run away with the thing. They were up 90 to 69, and yet the Raptors would not go away. And the Raptors ended up tying it on a three-point shot by Gary Trent Jr. with just over a second left. The sad part is I'm old enough now to remember his father being a part of the Milwaukee Bucks. But Gary Trent Jr. gets the jumper that ties the game. The Bucks then would go on to win, as I noted, in overtime. But Giannis is special. There, I, I know that's the understatement of the year. Anybody who watches the NBA realizes it. But when you put 55 up at home, and then go on the road and get a triple-double by going 30-21-10, and 10, that just tells you the caliber that Giannis is within the NBA. When you talk about the best players in the NBA, Giannis has to be right there. And arguably, as things transition, as LeBron now is on the back end of his career, probably right now the best player in the NBA And if he continues doing what he's been doing, I think you make a great case already for Giannis to be MVP of the league. And we'll see how things go. Got a lot of basketball to be played as now we've just entered the month of January. And as we've said before, usually it's right around Christmas time when the NBA starts being a little more prevalent. We've kind of worked through those early season issues and now from Christmas until the end of the season, that's where the bulk of the games are and that's where the intensity starts to build. But if Giannis continues to be Giannis and you start to get Middleton back into the fold, Drew Holiday doing what Drew Holiday can do, the pieces are there for another championship run. Don't want to get ahead of myself, 
But when your star goes for 55 one night and a triple-double the next, you can't help but be excited. We're going to take another quick break on the other side of this break. The Brewers making a little bit of news in the offseason. We'll get to it in just a second. Sewer Ninjas is dedicated to solving your home sewer issues with the latest no-dig sewer repair technology to minimize cost and disruption. They can repair your sewer lateral line with minimal intrusion, saving you thousands. When you need help, turn to the drain and sewer experts for Milwaukee and the surrounding communities. Give Sewer Ninjas a call, 414-250-8605. Once again, that's 414-250-8605. Find out more at SewerNinjas.com. All right, let's get into some Major League Baseball, specifically the Milwaukee Brewers, as they continue to be active in this offseason. And as soon as I saw this headline, immediately I started thinking about the franchise Tim Allen, who does the post-game show here in the 414 on 97.3, the game. I uh, Tim is the best at breaking things down as far as the Milwaukee Brewers go. He's an avid fan. He just knows all of the ins and outs. So when I start to see things like this happen, immediately I start to think of the franchise there and what he's piecing together because he will have the best insight once we start heading towards spring training. And so we'll get you when those times are that Tim will be on the radio prior to the Brewer season beginning. But the franchise does such a good job now with 97.3 The Game here in Milwaukee. I'm sure he'll have this all melded together by the time we head to spring training. But the Brewers first picked up Bryce Wilson from the Pirates. They were able to get him for cash to add to the pitching staff. But they weren't done there. The Brewers added Wade Miley in an agreement in which he'll come to the Brewers on a one-year deal for $4.5 million. Miley could earn as much as $6 million. The left-hander only played nine games last year with the Cincinnati Reds, and yet he's an all-star that has experience, and left-handed pitching is oh-so-precious. So the Brewers continue to wheel and deal here in the offseason. It's going to be a much different-looking team than what we saw last year. I mean, there'll be some components in there that are familiar, but the moves that are being made are all being made to take that next step. They seem to take a little bit of a fall backwards as the Brewers made their way through that second half of the season. Let's see if these moves can help elevate this team once again, when we close things out, let's get into some college football. The college football championship is coming up on Monday. Monday morning of the college football championship, we'll have a bunch more to get into prior to the game, but we'll preview it coming up in a sec. Also, some other news in around college football in one particular storyline, I just can't pass up. So we'll get to that here in a moment. Let's get into some college football before we get into the story that just kind of makes me laugh. Let's start with first some good news really coming out of Madison as now Luke Fickle has hired his 
offensive and defensive coordinators that will take over the reins next season as part of his staff. Mike Tressel is coming with him from Cincinnati over to Wisconsin. Mike will head up the inside linebacker coaching spot, but he will also then be the defensive coordinator. Phil Longo will now be the offensive coordinator and quarterbacks coach. Phil spent the last four seasons with North Carolina, a pretty respectable program out there on the East Coast. And so we've got now two key positions filled by Luke Fickle. Let's face it, Chris McIntosh is going all in, all in right now with this football program. This football program is not going to look like anything we've seen since Barry Alvarez took over. When Barry Alvarez took over and got the success that he rightfully deserved after building that program into what it had become under his tenure and then moved into the athletic director spot, many of the coaches that followed had elements of Barry Alvarez as far as the coaching tree, their style, how they run the game, you name it. Chris McIntosh, as after becoming the athletic director and being faced with the decision he had to do with Paul Chris, and then whether or not to bring in Jim Leonard, again, that tree then would just continue, decided to make a hard left as much as we did not like the fact that Jim Leonard would not be a part of this team anymore, <coughs> Packers. Um, what he's done as far as just almost starting over, but starting over with quality people. Luke Fickle has been a winner. And the people that Luke is bringing in now as head coach have been winners as well. And so the dynamics of football have changed. And in doing so, the organization around the football program in Madison had to change as well. We'll be interested to see how this all plays out. But at least in the offseason, the change that has been put into play so far looks like one at least outside looking in, like it will help this Badger ball club get to where it needs to be. So transitioning out of the good, let's get to the dumpster fire. And the dumpster fire is Texas A&M. Texas A&M last year under Jimbo Fisher had one of the best recruiting classes in all of college football. And yet that team underperformed in the SEC like no other with the expectations that they had on their shoulders going into it. And one of the reasons why was the fact that offensively, they just didn't have much going on. With all that talent, they couldn't figure it out. So Jimbo Fisher basically is saying, listen, okay, I get it. I'll manage this team. I'm going to bring in an offensive coordinator. Who does he bring in? He brings in Bobby Petrino. Yes, the same Bobby Petrino back in 2012 as the Arkansas Razorback head coach got into a motorcycle accident. Fortunately, everybody turned out to be okay. The problem was on the back of the motorcycle riding with Bobby Petrino was not his wife, it was his mistress, and that led to the downfall of one Bobby Petrino. And Bobby Petrino has been trying to kind of climb back into the good graces of college football ever since. Three weeks ago, Bobby Petrino accepted 
the offensive coordinator position at UNLV. I understand why UNLV did it. UNLV is trying to make a bit of a splash, trying to make a name for themselves out west, a team that's kind of underperformed in the last 10 or 15 years. But the kind of person you're getting in Bobby Petrino, I think is backed up in these two lines, these two storylines, one of which I just gave you. So Bobby had the world by the reins, got into an accident with his mistress on the back, poor decision number one. But then you also see who Bobby Petrino is when he accepts a job and then three weeks later says, no, I'm good, I'm going to head over here. He will drop Texas A&M like somebody dropping change on the ground. It will be in a heartbeat if things go a little bit south. And if I'm Jimbo Fisher... Why do I want to throw fuel on what was a dumpster fire already? The amount of press Bobby Petrino is going to bring with him, I don't know if it's worth it. To think that of all the potential offensive coordinators that you could have brought in to Texas A&M, you chose someone that's just going to throw more fuel into that dumpster fire Jimbo Fisher, Jimbo Fisher, I, I got to believe. I mean, he cares. Don't get me wrong. All coaches care. But his buyout is like, what, $95 million? He's going to do what he wants to do. And if Texas A&M doesn't like it, they're going to have to write a check for $95 million. It's just I think this one is going to be fascinating, and I think the dumpster fire is far from being over. All right, let's wrap this thing up. Thank you so much again for listening and logging in and joining us. Hit that like, subscribe button. We would definitely appreciate it. Our thanks again to Sewer Ninjas for being our presenting sponsor and for everything that they help provide for us here as we put the podcast together. Enjoy the weekend. When we come back on Monday, we'll figure out where the Packers stand and we'll also get you ready for the College National Championship, which will be played Monday night. Be safe. Enjoy. Take care. We go. (laughs) 